Hello everyone and welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. Technically our first episode, the last one didn't really count. There was nothing that happened, you've missed nothing. I am your host Alberto. And I'm Bailey. And we're starting off real good, real strong here with Sonic the Hedgehog number 11. What goes on here? He's here! Ken shows up! Uh, and, well, basically, we get introduced to a character I am not looking forward to learning more about, our good old pal Anti-Sonic. He's here now, because Sonic is like, hey, here's this funny shortcut I use. It's called the Cosmic Interstate. Y'all better remember that for later. It, uh, it pops up more, apparently. And he meets Anti-Sonic, and they do a little tussle. Well, that's that's a little bit of an understatement, uh, but you are that gist is correct. So Sonic takes a wrong turn at the Cosmic Interstate, which apparently exists and people just kind of know about. They're, they know that alternate universes exist. This fact is kind of just like swept under the not even swept under the rug. It's just sort of like an implication that goes unchecked. Yeah. So. People know alternate universes exist. Sonic takes several wrong turns and ends up in what's called just anti-Mobius. A world that that's just explained that all the personality axes are flipped. So in this world, Dr. Robotnik is a kindly veterinarian and Sonic is an asshole. Yeah, I don't like anti-Sonic. Not even like a proper villain, just an asshole. He, he that's all he exists it's just like it gets brought up upon more later when he when when the good event happens with this character but it's just mainly what if sonic's ego was like the main thing behind him is how i see it yeah that's that's basically just anti-sonic in a nutshell just ego freud would have a field day with this boy it's just sonic in a shitty trench coat and sunglasses he's lame he's so lame hey you respect the drip Oh, I respect Drip later on in issue 160, but I don't respect the Drip right now. <laughs> Another thing that we should uh, point out, the art, we didn't touch on the art of the last episode, but I believe all of the art up to this point and right now is done by someone by the name of Art Mawini. That's right, the covers are Dave. Yeah. I forget their last name. They are covers. Yeah, I think so. It's been a very consistent style throughout these yeah, and if you listeners are reading along with us and you have some familiarity with the TV show this comic is based off of, you'll probably see some art familiarities. And that's because uh, Art, Art Winnie, was also the storyboarder for the TV show as well. I actually did not know that. <laughs> so there we go. Because, again, I haven't actually watched Sat AM. Sonic is my special interest, but have I watched Sat AM yet? No, I need to do that. But, uh... Yeah, that's the gist of this series. Sonic just meets his uh, anti-counterpart. They just kind of get in like a weird ego match off of them running across anti-Mobius, like challenging each other. And Sonic is just basically going like, Whoa, he's match speed completely equally. Which, no shit, he would. Yeah, that that's like the main thing of this issue, just so y'all know. Because the other story is just where the panels of the tales as thing of fries comes from is also this issue that's like the only other thing of note besides like this main story that i got at least 
Yeah, it, it was awful. I, I hated that. <laughs> I hated it, too. Yeah, for context, listeners, that was just a story where Sonic got a, got into a food coma after eating a bunch of chili dogs, and he dreamed that all of his friends were food. It was very uncomfortable. I Yeah, I'm, yeah. On the internet in 2020, you see a lot of things. You, you see some questionable stuff, and alarm bells are ringing in my head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's where this comes from. That's what a lot of some of this has been, especially some of those earlier ones, because I hadn't actually read much of Zero. I haven't read a lot of these early Archie issues. So seeing these out of the panels or the out of context things come from, like last podcast, we got to see the origins of Home Alone on a Friday night. God, you're pathetic. That was fantastic to see. It's a, it upsets me that that's like edited the home alone on a friday night because in context that panel was just sonic telling a bunch of tree puns yeah the edit's a lot better the edit is a lot better i'm glad to see that the community is just taking things into their own hands and that's what i appreciate yeah anyway issue 12 this this one's a bit of a non-issue written brought to us by mike gallagher it's simplistic robotnik builds a time machine Yeet Sonic back into prehistoric times, meets his supposed ancestor named Sonic the Boghog. Sonic the Boghog, and he has feet. I want you to all know, because I had to see this, a Sonic character with his toes out. <laughs> Can you stop that? No. If I had to see it, they have to know about it. That's how this works. I mean, shit, I we guess. get more Sonic feet in this comic, I and I will point it out. Okay. Because it's it's it doesn't get any less cursed the more amount of times I see Sonic with feet. Okay, fine, fair enough. <laughs> the point is, Sonic Sonic gets eaten into the past. He finds his ancestor. He kind of helps them, like you know, evolve properly because they have a fear of like going above ground because Robotnik. Robotnik's ancestor keeps terrorizing them. You ever watch Gurren Lagann? Have you? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that. Except uh, not mechs. Well, kind of mechs. Flintstone-style mechs, if anything. Mech- Imagine a mecha anime, but in the, Flintsto- the Flintstones type here. Anyways, that's off track. So yeah, Sonic helps his ancestor and his ancestor's friends, who I assume are also ancestors of his friends. Uh, He, he just brings them outside. And kind of just teaches them how to live above ground. Specifically only because he didn't want to be evolved into a mole. That that was something that was brought up. He, he just somehow introduced the concept of hedges. So, like, does that mean Sonic the Hedgehog is what caused the hedgehog race to be a thing? Because they weren't even called hedgehogs. I, I think we're looking a little too much into what was essentially a Saturday morning cartoon plotline here, buddy. Listen, I'm trying to give more. There's not much to talk about with this one. There really isn't. The backup story is also just, like, Sonic meets an old bird who is, like, can't fly but is also traumatized because he believes that Robotnik roboticized all of his uh, colony. But it turns out that's not Mm. the case. They were just hiding, like, a little below the mountain where he was perched up from. Yeah. And, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And they come back and, like, hey, look, you're not the only bird. Ha ha. Hee hee. That's about it. Well, hey. Yeah. And also, there was a, another backup story where the Freedom Fighters met this Lynx, who's apparently cursed with bad luck, 
but they manage to help him. They he manages to like somehow help them stop Robotnik. In my notes, I have it here. It says that he quote feels like a fan character insert. I don't know if there's any like stipulation to that. Know. I I mean I don't know. This is just my gut, but it's like I think he comes back like one more time later, and then he's in like hibernation for years, and then like we get more of him because that's just what Ian Flynn does. But we're not there yet. We're very just one note character right now. And our next issue, issue thirteen, brought to us by. A, a, a combo that also brought us issue 11 i, I believe we glazed over that yeah but they are uh mike kentervik and ken penders ken penders they wrote they co-wrote everything minus i believe it was issue uh it was 18 or 19 i, I think it was 18 the first story of 18 was written by a different person but everything else was written by the combo of mike and ken yeah I have some interesting thoughts about this little uh, pair-up they got going on here, but we'll save that for later, because right now, they're giving us a a neat little story about a certain echidna. He's here. So, Sonic and Tails, if it's not obvious, this is an adaption of Sonic 3. So, Tails and Sonic are flying to the floating island, and they have reason to believe that the reason this island is up in the sky is because quote-unquote a chaos emerald keeps it afloat and then the plane is shot down and they crash down onto the island all the while they're being attacked obviously by like the i believe the flamethrower robot that you see in the first act of angel island that's attacking them yeah and like in the corners of the panel you can see like a certain fist just like going ham and directing these robots yeah he's going he's going also I want to know that this issue was also... This story from this issue was also in Mega Collection. So I have read this one before, yes. That's interesting, and it makes a lot of sense why this one would be in Mega Collection. Well, it was because it was, it was just... They just shoved in a graphic novel in Mega Collection. It was called Sonic Firsts. It has, like, an issue from Zero, the story that introduces Bunny... This one, and then another one? This might be the last one, but I'm not too, too sure on that. Something I'd have to look up again. Because I haven't played Touched Mega Collection in a while. Because I don't have a working PS2. Well, Mega Collection Plus, I should say. I didn't grow up with the GameCube one. Well, in either case, uh, after they're being attacked by a flamethrower robot, Sonic and Tails kind of slip into this like little underwater zone. And very nearly drown. Yeah, it's like, I think it's supposed to be Hydro City. Oh, definitely. Kind of a very rough outline of it. They're not there for that long, I don't think. Yeah, like, there's only, like, a maybe, like, a page worth of panels where they're there. They nearly drown. And they awaken a dark room. And they find the person who's been assaulting them this whole time. Good old Knuckles the Echidna. You could call him Knuckles. Unlike Sonic, he doesn't chuckle. He'd rather flex his muscles. Very short adaption of Sonic 3. Like, they get to the end of the game without going to most of the zones. (laughs) Which is a very Ken Penders move, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, they probably weren't given much to work with, because... I believe that. For those who aren't aware, Ken Penders... And this is something that'll stay true for, I'm pretty sure, for a long time, has never touched a Sonic game. Yes, we will get into that much later on in the series, but 
yes, Ken Penders has never played a Sonic game before, and to this day, he is proud of that fact. Is he still proud of that? I didn't know if he's touched one by now. I I sincerely doubt it. Ugh. <sighs> God. So, Knuckles is there. He's essentially telling them that uh, Robotnik told, was told, or rather, Robotnik tells Knuckles that Sonic and Tails are there to steal Knuckles' Chaos Emerald. Obviously, Knuckles is being tricked and lied to. And uh, eventually, they come to a little compromise, Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles do, of just like, all right, Knuckles tells the Sonic and Tails, you guys have 10 minutes to get the fuck off my island, or else I'll come hunt you down. And so Sonic just goes, hey, I got 10 minutes to prove my innocence. Oh, yeah. So Knuckles is actually shown later communicating with Robotnik, obviously, about this whole situation. Robotnik being pretty pissed that Knuckles didn't just kill them right then and there. However, later on, we find uh, Knuckles' Chaos Emerald in the hands of Dr. Robotnik. Wow. He got tricked. Wow. What a surprise. Who would have guessed this would have happened? Who would have guessed that Knuckles the Echidna would be tricked so easily? You say that. We say that, but y'all better be glad that he has his naivety here. Y'all better be glad. Anyways. Because uh, Knuckles eventually does find that his emerald is stolen. And by the way, uh, fellow fans, you were probably wondering why we're saying Chaos Emerald and not Master Emerald. We're just going with what the comic is telling us here. It's literally just a Chaos Emerald. There is no Master Emerald yet. Yet. It just straight up hasn't been introduced, and I'm not sure when it gets introduced. But I'm guessing later. And my guess is maybe, because I know there's Chaos Emerald shenanigans around the adventure era of things in terms of the comics. I don't think it's that late. It has to be, like, earlier on. Would it be? I'm not sure. I, I never know with this man. Yeah, you never really do, huh? Yeah. But, uh, anyway. So, Knuckles finds the emerald stolen. He's pissed. Sonic comes up to him just like, Hey, look, we don't have it. We want to help you get it back. Knuckles is like, okay, fine, whatever. So, they eventually track down Robotnik. Sonic, uh, gamers him. And they give him back... They give Knuckles back his Chaos Emerald. And as an apology slash thanks, Knuckles repairs their biplane and lets them how can he do that how does knuckles know how to repair a plane Uh, how can he do that i don't think he knows how to repair i think he just kind of kept the parts that fell off and then no he did oh are you really oh no no no, you know you're right i'm i remember no he just gathered the parts and sonic fixed it not even tails because he doesn't have his genius yet but yet yet I don't even know when he gets his, like, when he becomes smart in his comics, and I'm kind of afraid, but... Well, before we get to that, we have a, a simple backup story here where, because, yeah, that that's the end of the story, by the way. Knuckles says that he's sorry for being tricked and lets them go home. Write to Sonic Grams if you want more Knuckles stories, guys! Oh, and isn't that just the best monkey's paw curl that we've ever gotten? And also, what he just referred to... Sonic Rams is what they uh, refer to as, like, their mail-in segment. Just say, hey, a lot of these earlier issues had, like, a lot of one-off characters and, I guess, testing for a lot of stuff. And w- and you can tell, especially when it was a test for an idea, when they just mm-hmm. write at the end saying, hey, fellow fans, 
Uh, if you like this, write us a letter, send it to this address, and we'll probably do more if there's enough fan demand. What it is also is, like, these are very experimental even here, until I would say about, like, 18 is when they start, like, a little bit later, I would say, like, maybe 17 or so, we start getting just only two stories instead of multiple. Because there still are kind of multiple stuff going on in these, but we only get, like, two per issue, and, like, we actually finish longer stories as these go on. I know that's for later, but I just want to let y'all know that it's a, still a slow start. We actually will get to that. We are going to start seeing that transformation happen before our very eyes. Yeah. So, the backup story for issue 13, just to wrap this up, basically Robotnik builds like this global space roboticizer to which he wants to roboticize either the entirety of life on mobius or the planet itself i'm not really sure i think it was all of life it was it was all of life they mentioned that he wanted to roboticize every living thing because believe it or not this storyline actually kind of comes back oh boy does it, it not the way you think though <laughs> Oh, come on. You don't want to mention it? You don't want to mention his big pitch? Well, we will get to it. We got we got to save something to for the listeners to get hyped for. Hype is the questionable word here. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the Freedom Fighters find out about this. So they what they plan to do, they steal it before it gets properly launched. It does get launched, so they're kind of trapped in it. But basically, they just break it down from the inside and just let it orbit Mobius completely destroyed. Robotnik and Snively see them doing this before they get launched, so they have a backup space shuttle that they go to chase it. And eventually they both groups land on a moon made of mud. It was muck, not mud, I think. I think it was called muck. Muck, mud, what difference does it make in all honesty? Haha, <laughs> funny liquid. <laughs> funny liquid. <laughs> but yeah, the they defeat Robotnik and Snively there, and I think they maroon them, leaving them to die. Yes. Well, they don't die. It's yeah. Robotnik. He's a comedic villain right now still, so he'll come back. Yeah, he'll come back. They all come back. Just like in uh, the next issue, issue 14, done to us by uh, Angelo De Casare, actually. Okay, so there is two with him that writes, because he writes another one later as well. Yeah, he writes the next issue, and I... Think. Hold on, let me go down. And see I it. think it was seventeen or I believe it was eighteen. He wrote. We'll we'll get to it. We will get to yeah. it. Yeah. So for right now, the story that a good old Angelo is giving us. So Sonic and Tails are just watching over Rotor's greenhouse. Tails is left to his left all to his lonesome, and then he finds a tree that uh, basically gives him the fruit of knowledge, the biblical fruit of knowledge, and makes him a super genius. He's a super genius, and he's like, hey, look how smart I am. Look at me. I'm, I'm so much better than y'all. I'm so smart. I guess the curse with this fruit is that smartness and ego just exponentially go up. Because later on, the knothole is being attacked by another ro Robotnik bot, and Tails, for the most part, single-handedly defeats it. Yes. Because he's so giga-chad quantum brain that he can just <laughs> do that. <laughs> He's not GigaChad yet. That's later. All right. Forgive me for misspeaking. Forgive me for misspeaking then. <laughs> he is Jimmy Neutron's levels of power right now. Get it yes. right. 
He is he is Jimmy Neutron, and we are Retroville. <laughs> he is in Giga Brain Blast mode. Basically, upon this one event, he Tails uses it as a basis for believing that he should be the leader of the Freedom Fighters and not Sonic. To which ev- Sonic and everyone is just like, "Dude, chill the fuck out." To which Tails says, "No, you chill out. I'm gonna go usurp Robotnik's empire." <laughs> And he goes, he just charges straight in. And the moment he makes it in, he conveniently loses his smartness because plot. And it's like, oh, it only lasts an hour. It only lasts 24 hours. Yeah, and then the Freedom Fighters uh, go in to bail him out. And honestly, I did find this moment pretty amusing of which they had like a device of some kind to shut down whatever robot Robotnik was making at the time being. Mm -hmm. But in order to, like, bail Tails out at the moment, they just basically said it was a bomb, <laughs> what yeah, they had in it, their hands. And because Ro- and Robotnik just falls for it. I mean, you know what, man? Like, do you want to take those chances? Some dude just waltzes up to you, just like, hey, man, this box I have, it's a bomb, and I'm not afraid to kill myself to take you out with me. I mean, isn't it applied he already took over the entirety of Mobius, or is it just that one area he took over uh, right now? I think it's just the area although it seems to be implied it's all of mobius i mean for the record we do find out later on that it technically is just sally's kingdom which i think is just spans most of the continent that they're on it's later on that it like shows that yes he took over everything and that's a thing that also sticks to the reboot but it's not till i know it's at least by the time Ian's run kicks in, he's taken all over the whole planet, but we're not at Ian's run yet. That's the only part I'm not going in blind to, and I'm missing it already. And we haven't even gotten to the fun parts. We're, we're close, though. We're real close to the fun parts. Oh, are we now? Yeah, so... So, yeah, that's that's issue 14. There, there is, like, a, a backup story that's actually done by Ken and Mike, but it's... Girl power... Yeah, it's it's kind of a nothing burger. Bunny and Sally are just kind of like going to the mall, which apparently Nothole had. Is it Nothole still at? Or Robotnik I... shot. Robotnik literally made the mall as a trap. Oh yeah, that's right. It's silly. That's me. what happened, and the whole story is like, haha, look, we can kick butt too. Oh my god, aren't we powerful? And I'm like, I get it. You want to show equality? Good, do that. Yeah, but, but uh... like it just seems very weird that it's written like this. Like I think this is the very first time of like Ken Pender's like planting a flag and kind of grandstanding about something. Cuz clearly this little backup story, it's not much, but it's still there. Like it's saying, "Yes, I am woman, hear me roar." roar. And it's mm-hmm. this is when was this published? Like it has to be like 1993, 1994. I'm going to guess 94 by now. Cuz it was it was monthly, right? Even back then? Yeah. Like, uh, it com- okay, then yes, definitely, because we're on issue, uh, what is it, 14? Yeah, 14. We, it's been over a year that this yeah, has been running. So, I- I'm sure for the time, this was like some kind of great, powerful message that the world just needed to hear, told through the lens of a blue hedgehog and his friends, but... Written by a white guy. Eh. He's chilling. <laughs> he, he's just chilling there in, in Cedar Rapids. Anyway, issue 15, still done by Angelo Decasare. Uh, c- 
kind of just still more of like a fun Saturday morning cartoon kind of romp. Sonic saves this talking frog. Not even a Mobian frog. It's just like a regular frog that can talk. Yeah. In my notes, I did not care about this issue at all, and I just wrote one-offs. So, like, I forgot. Like, yeah, he could, it's a frog, and he's like, hey, you saved me. Here's these magic orbs. And the story is just him using the magic orbs, and, like, it ends with him wanting more. Sonic gains thirst for power. Yeah, you basically just... Yeah, you, that's it. That's all it is. Sonic gains a thirst for power. <laughs> Sonic gains a thirst for power. We're we're going to get a little interesting here. So, issue 16, brought to us by Mike Kenturovich and Ken Penders. And it starts off with the Freedom Fighters celebrating that they defeated Robotnik. You see Mobo, or Robotropolis burning in the background, hooting and hollering. This just happened off screen, by the way. This is the first page of the comic. Yeah, it just starts with them saying, they, they, I won. I won! And six months pass, and we see Sonic and Sally getting married. How nice, how wholesome. Until we get a little pan out, and we see Robotnik still alive, looking over a looking glass, seeing the Freedom Fighters kind of live out a virtual reality life. Because you see in the background of this panel, he has them in, like, containment glasses? Tubes. They're they're in tubes, and their brains are hooked up to VR. They're living lies. Yeah. And at first, I thought all of them were sharing the same dream, and I wish they were, because it implies that they all want. And I thought, oh, wait, why is Antoine not marrying Sally? Why would he want Sonic to marry Sally? I was really upset that it was not just everyone's dream. I really wish it was, because that means Antoine wants to get cucked, but he does not, and I am sad. Oh my god. <laughs> it would have been so much funnier that way. But no, everyone is in their own little separate dream. See, I'm glad you brought that up, because I didn't, like, get that at first, so Sonic was just, like, dream hopping. That he... was... Yeah, he was dream hopping, because... I don't... It's never explained why he's dream hopping. Like, uh, uh, Uncle Chuck just pops in. Okay, okay, hold on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, they re Sonic is the only one who realizes that, uh, that this is all, like, fake and it's a fake simulation. So, he finds, like, a control terminal within his own dream. And I guess that's how he dream hops? No, he, it just happened. Like, a broom just appeared. Like, they just started messing up for him. Shit. The control terminal doesn't happen till the end. Yeah, it doesn't, but, like... <sighs> so, what happens is that it starts glitching out, and then suddenly he's just kind of fallen, chilling, and he sees Uncle Chuck. Yeah, he he's sees Uncle there. Chuck, who's, like, there and not roboticized. Unroboticized, and Mutsky. Yeah. So, however, when they come in, and when Sonic is, like, basically about to pull the plug on the whole thing and wake everyone up... He's kind of ends up being posed. He poses himself with like this ethical question of like, you know, is everyone's happy? They're all kind of living out their dreams. Is it really right for me to like do this? Like it's weird. It's just out of nowhere. It's really out of nowhere. This that has to be like a Ken Penders like shoving at the last minute. Oh, Ken Penders yeah. really likes to like create these like thinking man questions. That are just inappropriate to the context of the situation. Like, okay, I, I, I get what you're going for here, Ken, by asking this sort of thing. But this isn't the time. Sonic would not. Sonic would instantly be like, hell no. 
Yeah. Instant. If anything, this would be something that, like, maybe, like, Sally would ask, maybe, but still. I would say it would more apply so to maybe someone like Tails, because he's, like, eight. I, uh, okay, fine. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be, like, that more of, like, everyone's happy. Do I want to take away their happiness? I mean, sure. But, I, like, I... Sonic would just, like, go in and be like, nope. Yeah. Yeah, so, and that's what he does. He, he nopes them all out of there. He frees them, and they, they just go live to fight another day, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, actually, no. I, I, now I'm looking at my notes. At the same time, so, uh, Robotnik is sent out, like, a team of bots to, like, destroy the Great Forest and find out where Knothole is and all that. So Sonic's on a little bit of a time limit, but he does free all of them, and they do chase down the bots and destroy the place. No, uh, what happens, Sonic has a control terminal, he finds a control terminal, he has the bots turn around, because they're flattening bots, and he just has them run through Robotnik's base. Yeah, so, even though there's still a little bit of a hefty story here, still Saturday morning cartoon, Robotnik's Mm -hmm. still the haha funny villain here. It, it, that's kind of what it is, I would say until we get, wait, we're on, what issue are we on now, 16? Yeah. Yeah, once... Actually, I believe this issue and next issue is when it's actually the backstory that starts setting up for a non-Saturday morning cartoon thing. Yeah, we're we're going to get into some uh, a little bit of lore here. And you know what? Let's do this quickly. Story B for this issue. Not much. Robotnik just suspect there's a mole in the operations and how information and intel keeps getting leaked to the Freedom Fighters. So Robotnik is basically systemically destroying all of his top bots because he believes they're all moles until like Sonic and Sally like threat Robotnik's plans yet again and they do find out that there actually is someone a legit mole in Robotnik's uh, operations and they find out that it's just an owl named Harvey who there's well no no he's not like the mole in a way he's not working within Robotnik's thing he just has hidden surveillance and Harvey who I don't know if he comes back later in this, but he comes back later during Ian Flynn's run, during the same time Larry the Lynx does. Yeah, <sighs> we're we're in for a ride. We're in for a ride here. So, that's issue 16. Real simple stuff. Issue 17, though, and this is where Bailey was talking about the cover B kind of being the meat of the story. because The more important one. Yeah. In terms of the lead up to the special of this, but to bring it up, uh, the issue A or the cu- the story A rather of issue seventeen, basically Robotnik and Snivy are just like in a forest, supposedly looking for a robot that Robotnik built many many years ago. He says it was the first machine that he ever built back when he was an undergrad. It was when he was about to graduate. And he did not have his stash, and it looks wrong. Yeah, he was about to graduate. Robotnik, this this issue does confirm that Robotnik is actually a legitimate doctor. He graduated with a doctorate degree from some university. It's not all for shits and giggles, folks. He is a legit doctor. You respect the title. So anyway, they find this robot, and it turns out to just literally be King Kong. Yeah. It, no, it's King Gong. Excuse We're legally me? distinct here. It's King Gong. Its name is King Gong. Oh, that's right. Excuse me. I, I'm very sorry. Please don't threaten the... Please don't legal me. Please don't sue me. I have no money. 
anyway, so eventually the Freedom Fighters do find uh, Robotnik and Snively. At the same time that they happen to come across a uh, King Gong, and it uh, it ends up falling in love with Sally. It's... And Sally says the words, "I already have a boyfriend," meaning they're together, I guess. Uh, let's not go into that. Let's I just... mean, we don't get the romance stuff yet, but I guess that's implying, hey, they're a thing. <sighs> we really have to put ourselves through this, don't we? Oh, are you you not excited for romance in your Sonic the Hedgehog comics? Oh, I, I'm excited for melodrama. I always am. It's just, <sighs> look what we're working with here, dear listeners. Like, we're, we're dealing with parody bots and a whole bunch of nothing. <laughs> Man, when I was a child, I thought, man, these are so much better than the story-driven things. Oh, man, I was so wrong. I mean, I haven't gotten to the bad Kinder Pender stuff yet. I just have an idea because of the article written by Bobby, the runner of Thanks, Ken Penders, what inspired me to go through the comics recently to go through Ian Flynn's run a second time. And listeners, uh, here's a little fun fact for you. That uh, article and that Tumblr post, it's genuinely what inspired this podcast yeah that like that tumblr blog and that article are fantastic to go through (laughs) bobby analyzes these comics really well love her work please follow the tumblr it's great (laughs) it's great and support her game i just have in my notes here the thing climbs up to the top of a skyscraper they're attacking you with the plane blah 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 blah. if you've seen king kong you know what goes on Mm uh and I have it here. Tail sweeps in, saves Sally from its clutches. They oil up the building, and uh, it slips and quote gets gamered. It just dies. Yeah. F. F. Also, uh, something to point out: Robotnik keeps referring to it as his son, as uh, yes. it was the first robot he ever built. So I guess he does have some kind of genuine connection to it. But uh, is it a little weird? I I think it's weird. Listen, it's just to get us ready for when we learn when Eggman fucks, when Eggman Nega comes into the picture. It's canon that game Eggman fucks, and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, I guess there isn't. There isn't. So, now with that out of the way, we can focus on story B, though kind of the real part of this issue. Which didn't seem like it at first, mind you. It really doesn't. It with this alone it really just seems like it's kind of just another standalone story almost there was almost. a little moment here that made me kind of kind of activated my almonds a little bit and made me go oh boy it starts and what it is referring to so sally is just walking around the great forest at night kind of just reminiscing on the old times before we get into that i want to point to the audience that this is not a Sonic the Hedgehog story. This is a Princess Sally story with her own logo and everything. Just to kind of yeah, just set up going. Let's put that out there. We're going to start... Ken Penders is going to start focusing a lot on Sally for the foreseeable future. How will that go? Let's fucking find out, oh, buddy. It's not even Sally I'm worried about. You know what the worst oh, part I, of I know exactly. expanding her is. But either way, uh, so we see a lot of flashbacks of her just, like, kind of 
looking at what life was like before Robotnik took over. And then out of it, nowhere... It re-explains uh, how he took over. It just explains that within the night, Robotnik swarmed in with his bots and took over and took away the king. Yes. So Something that we haven't... I don't think it hasn't been mentioned, but again, at this point in time with the comics... We're kind of grandfathering in everything from the TV show's canon. Something that is brought up in the show, Sally's dad is gone. I don't think they, like... They didn't mention it until now. No, they didn't mention it until now in the comics. But in the show, either they believe he's missing, or they know Robotnik threw him They mentioned he was missing, zone. actually. Way back in the earlier issues, when it shows when Sonic meets them, Sally says, yes, my dad was also taken prisoner. Oh, yeah, that's right. But basically, this serves as a reintroduction to the origin story, explaining that, yes, Robotnik did just come in and take over, but they show it off as a less comedic way. Yeah, which I do think is good for the context of this story, yes. by the way. Yes. So, uh... In the middle of her lamenting, I guess you can put it, out of nowhere, this meteor thing crashes onto the ground real hard like. She runs over to it, and she just pulls it out of the ground nonchalantly, and she says it is, quote, the answer to all her wishes. And the story mm -hmm. ends there. There's no more context. And it says, to be continued in next issue... As it is also, the continuation is the next B issue. This is the first time we have a continuation from one issue to the other. This is where the build-up starts happening. Up until now, the series kind of, uh, how do I put it? These, these were one-offs for the most part. Yes. This is where that changes. This is where it starts changing. Definitely. I'm ready for it. I have been ready for that. I am tired of one-offs. <laughs> so on that note... Let's move on to issue 18. Still done by Kentorovich and Penders, obviously. And, mm -hmm. uh, to, to make story A go real fast, uh, Sonic and Sally are reportedly getting married. Uh, Robotnik catches wind of it. He just catches wind of it and tries to crash the wedding until they figure out that, uh, it turns out it was just a play, which I'm, I'm fairly certain there was a SpongeBob episode that goes exactly like this. Probably. And also, I want to mention a weird little... You could tell this is early production before they want know what they wanted to do. Sally switches between having the jacket, getting having no jacket, and then suddenly getting the jacket that is iconic to her Archie look for years. Yeah. It's technically shown off here, but only for a couple of panels, and then it's gone. Yeah, it's, what you pointed out something good actually. I, I'm glad you which pointed is this a out. foreshadowing to a thing that happens later. Well, okay, hold on a second here because. Uh... There's something interesting that you just pointed out. A lot of these stories, we're starting to get some, like, kind of shelved stories now. Like, this cover, this issue, or story A definitely feels like a much earlier issue. It feels like it belongs in, like, one of the last issues. Yes. Again, I think it's because they were trying to experiment. And the reason why they had to continue should be the B story as it to show, hey, look, we're experimenting... And story A will be the one-offs they'd been doing. And I think that's what they were doing to experiment with continuing stories. Oh, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. But anyway, real meat and potatoes. So, story B. We have a continuation from the last story. 
Rotor is now scanning the meteor that Sally brought in, and he has generally no idea what it is. However, they do kind of note that it is like a shell. It's protecting something that's inside of it. Yeah, it's like the orb is a force field. Yeah, it's a force field in particular. And we're introduced to another character who I don't know if she's in Sad AM, but a caretaker of Sally? Rosie, I believe her name is? I think she Rose? was in... There was an, uh, like a pair of episodes where Sonic and Sally go back in time before Robotnik took over, and I think that's where Rosie was. Okay. I think. Because I, I hadn't seen Sad AM, so I wasn't sure. I mean, it's been years for me, so I'm pulling out the I'm pulling out the deep cabinet files in my memory banks. So, but either way, we do meet Rosie for the first time in these comics, and she says, uh, "Hey, Sally, uh, go to uh, you need to see someone," and she leaves the leaves her order to continue working, and then she goes to the bedroom of her old tutor, Jalela is her name, and she's clearly bedridden and on the last legs of her life and yes. <laughs> yeah. it's it, this is a very harsh tone shift not just from the previous issues but from the last goddamn story we went from like a funny haha meme about like oh this was just an elaborate trap to get robotnik yet again nothing has been serious until now we get actual 100 percent on screen death oh here we're jumping ahead here a, a little buddy because uh here here's what's going on so sally kneels down to talk to her old tutor her family friend and essentially she she's lamenting with sally saying you know what we've been through a lot together I, I basically raised you, and I, she was there for it all, quite literally. There's a couple flashbacks that shows her teaching Sally, you know, the the good old STEM. She's learning how to do some uh, basics of combat, I think, as well. Just some, like, self-defense stuff, nothing real major. But also, a little point. At one point during one of these flashbacks, Jalela gives Sa or presents Sally... This little acorn charm. She calls it the family crest. And when Sally can take it from her, she will be ready. Whatever that <sighs> means. I want you to know, when I was reading this, I thought this was going to be one of the infamous arcs that happens at first. Which we won't get until later. It's something, passage of acorn thing. It involves a magical pond. I thought it was that. <laughs> I know exactly what we're referring to you, and listeners, that will be in the next episode. I can guarantee you that. Oh, is it that soon? It's that soon. Because <laughs> I, I have an idea of what the next reading order is in a way. At least part of it. So. <laughs> On that note, after all these flashbacks finish, Jalela pulls out the acorn from underneath her sheets, presents it to Sally, and says, Are you, basically says, Are you ready? And what Sally does to take it out, she bops it with her knee out of Jalela's hand and snatches it out of the air. To which Jalela calls a nice, elegant solution, and she is now ready. And on that very moment, she calmly passes away. 
she says farewell and she dies there is death in this series the first of many and if that is not a sentence that fears you with dread you are not prepared for this podcast so and you know what this is gonna sound fucked up but there is a death that comes up that i am excited for yikes oh you know which one i'm ready for but he hasn't even been introduced yet still yikes (laughs) so in response to sally seeing her first and dearest closest friend die in her sleep calmly and peacefully she just kind of spends the night outside looking at the stars and she basically spends all night outside mourning up until sonic finds her right until the sun cracks up until dawn and just comforts her it is listeners i need to stress something out for you this is the first moment in these comics where pure genuine emotion is being shown here this isn't for laughs this is not a joke this is now being presented as something serious which depending on the person is not something they want to see in their sonic things i am down for serious things happening if they're done well and you know what i'm gonna be honest here i kind of think this was done well this wasn't bad this was not bad at all yeah because like yeah, we kind of don't... We don't really know who this character is. She is also in Sat AM, I believe. So, again, grandfathering the canon over in Yes, uh, at least Rosie, as I looked it up as we were talking, Rosie is from Sat AM. I'm not sure about Julie. I think that was her name. Jalela. Oh, I have the wiki page. Jalela. We, we see Sally kind of having, like, a real relationship with this character. And it is clearly something that's heartfelt. Whether or not it was presented super well is I, I it's up in the air for me, cause like Ken Penders is not the best when it comes to emotion, in my opinion. But I think as far as presentation goes, this is fine. She seems to be just from this, I believe. The wiki I'm using doesn't show that she has a sad AM appearance. Wow, that's surprising. So. I mean, this isn't the first new original character. I could be wrong here. I like to be knowledgeable about this series, but Sad AM is just not a topic I've touched on. Well, regardless, that's the end of uh, issue 18. Is that where I wasn't sure where it ended. And with this, we go into In Your Face special. The first true serious, not comedy based issue. And also, for the record, the first one-shot comic of Archie Sonic. Yes. Built to us as a special issue. 48-page special. 40-page special issue. 48, yeah. 48-page special. Actually, no, I think it's just 40 now that I think about it. It said 48 on the cover, if I remembered right. Well. It makes sense, because I think, aren't the comics usually 24? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so it's double. So, here's what's going on, guys. So, the issue opens up with Sonic and Sally just judo sparring, with her being a little off her game because, you know, her her tutor just died. She's a, she's not all there. Can't blame she her. She is v- feeling lonely right now, in her words. She is... She's feeling lonely, in her words, in my words. I would call it the big sad. 
Yes, it is the big sad. So while so while she's having her moment, Rosie shows up with Jalela's will, saying that all of her possessions now are Sally's. So Sally runs off to Jalela's room and spends basically the entire day digging through her stuff. One of which, uh, she finds this uh little vest, little blue vest that ends up becoming her look i gotta say i like that the vest this is how the vest was explained i'm going to give kin pinders credit here i like the vest explanation i didn't think i was going to be giving that man credit but i think this is a cute way of her showing her respect towards her mentor not knowing that makes that outfit look a little nicer it's not my favorite design of sally if that's post reboot but it's nice to see this girl is finally going to have some cloves. Yeah. Here's something that <laughs> yeah. here's something that we've been uh, glossing over. And for the record, here's a little self-promotion. If you haven't seen uh, the show that I did with Asterios and Lime Jinjo about Sonic cartoons, one point I brought up about Sally, she's basically... Uh, she's naked. She got boots, but that's about it. She's effectively nude. And the reason why I think this is the case, she doesn't wear gloves. I am pinning that as my reason. The the thing is with Sally, and I want y'all to be aware, they didn't actually sexualize her. I shouldn't have to point that out, but they didn't when she was naked. It wasn't until after the jacket that they, uh... That that becomes prominent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all like anyway. horny images of 15-year-old squirrels. Anyway, so among other... Uh, besides the vest... She finds two other things. A hope chest, which Jalela notes that she wanted to present this at Sally's wedding. And mm-hmm. also a map. She finds this a little overwhelming and then just goes to bed. Hold up. Is Sally a chipmunk or a squirrel? I think she's both, actually. I think she's like a, a half and half hybrid. Hybrid? I think so. Is she? Here's the thing, actually. Something that uh, will come up later it is possible for, like, uh, Mobians to crossbreed, if you will. Yes, you are right. She is a squirrel chipmunk. Yeah, it's... Here's the thing. It is possible for Mobians to crossbreed. And in those circumstances, the children... Why is this lore we have? The children of these, uh, relation will almost always be twins. One child will have the genetics... Or the genetic, uh priority of one parent and the child will be the other there are exceptions to this but generally that's what happens so and oh yeah because sally has a brother yeah later that's on. what i was gonna right. that was what i was gonna bring up she also has a long lost brother that's something we're gonna get into but yes sally is chipmunk squirrel that's that's what that's what's important here right now why i hate that we have lore about mixed race couples and sonic the hedgehog but here we are hey listen man you know what in my opinion i think this is very progressive you know why should the races be kept to themselves okay <laughs> and moving on you know what i'm moving mean. on <sighs> thanks ken penders so sally is uh just trying to sleep a little disturbed up until the orb that's sitting at her bedside Starts referring to her by name. I think uh, anyone would be freaked out by this, but Sally just nonchalantly walks up to it 
and it reveals itself to be this little handheld computer called Nicole. Nicole, she is here. Despite being a staple of Sad AM, she's just now getting introduced, and Nicole will become a very integral part of this later on. And for the entire comic book series. And I'm just, now that she's here, I'm like, God, I can't wait for over a decade decade from now. Maybe even, I was just say, hold up, let's see, around, when was post-reboot? Post-reboot start, the reboot started, what, 2011, 2010? No, it must have been, like, maybe 2016. Was it that late? I, I'm fairly certain. It, God, no, not 2016, maybe, like, 2014, 2015. That's more likely. But anyway. God. So, uh, all the other Freedom Fighters show up at this point with, uh, they're all confused. They're wondering what's going on and why they just heard a voice. So, Sally kind of just introduces them. Sonic, uh... 2013. The reboot's 2013? 2013 is when the wow. reboot started. So... Wow. Le- a little under 20 years... Until I can get that sweet lesbianism. You know what? I'm just going to stop right there. That's funny in and of itself. Let's just move on. <laughs> Let's just move on. Well... <laughs> uh, so anyway, Sonic uh, doesn't understand what this is. So like any sane person, he decides to shake the fuck out of it. And uh, in response, uh, Nicole electrocutes him. It's very funny. Sonic gets fucking zapped. And you know what? He deserves it. Yeah, sometimes he kind of deserves the shit that he gets. Yeah. But also, this was a running gag from the TV show as well. Sonic getting electrocuted by Nicole. Oh. Okay. Yeah, a little fun fact here. So, Sally decides to hold on to it, saying that, quote, everybody needs a friend. And I'm pointing this out because this is actually pretty important to the story of this issue. Yeah, it is. Everybody needs a friend. So, from the next morning on... Sally gets right up early in the morning. She grabs her vest, Nicole, and basically tries to sneak away to follow the map that she found in Jalela's chest. So she is eventually caught by the other Freedom Fighters, insisting, Sally, we don't know what's going on. We don't know the importance of what's happening here, but we're with you till the end. What's going on? We're, we're here for you. And they use her words against her that everyone needs a friend as well it's a theme they want to really ham in with this which is fine if it works it works it works they're all on the biplane then following the map they find the drop point which is right outside a robotnik compound and storm it there are a couple bots obviously trying to stop them but after they get a certain point the bots just say like okay stop you know what they're going into a place called the forbidden zone if they're going in there, most likely they're not coming out. So, when they're following the map, they come across... They're basically being met with a series of challenges here. The first one being a Cyclops bot. Yeah, a Cyclops bot, which... The theme with these, to gloss over, just so we get an idea, is that the theme is, they come across a challenge and Nicole tells them how to finish it. It's like the Cyclops is... Nicole tells them, hey... It's based on motion. So they just sit there. Sonic just sits there. Which, I mean, hey, it's it's true to the original myth. Cyclops, you know, they, they're very sight-based. 
They walk past that, and then was the next one a two-headed dragon? Yeah, it was. The two-headed dragon, which, uh, they defeated. One tells lies, one tells the truth. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's the next one. This, what's next is actually the eagle. Oh, right, the eagle, which Tails defeats. Tails defeats it by pulling out a sword from the stone. Pulling a sword, which was conveniently the wiring for it to move. Which, listeners, I need you to understand something about this one scene here. This is legitimately hardcore foreshadowing when it comes to Tails. There's a certain someone that shows up in relation to this. There is some legitimate hardcore foreshadowing, which either can... I okay. I need to. I need to reel back a bit here. I. I think mm-hmm. this is kind of a convenience. This is just like a coincidence. No, this one is just a com- coincidence. One. Yeah, but I like, don't think this was like going through with setting up the whole tails thing. Oh no, it definitely wasn't. But what I'm saying is here, like in retrospect, like Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is a little much. But anyway, they they move on. And this is where the two-headed dragon shows up. The one that tells lies and only tells truths. Sally basically just goes fucking quantum gigabrain here. Basically <laughs> saying that... She she basically says, tell me what the other one would say. Yeah. And she finds out they would have said... He would have truthfully told me that this person would have lied about saying that. So she goes the opposite door of what they said. Uh, honestly, it. I, I'm not going to lie, viewers. I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. Uh, it, it, it took me a couple readings to understand what was going on. Not because it was bad writing, just because I'm I'm very slow in the head. I'm slower than you in the head. Literally. I got it. Okay, you said it, not me. Yeah, I know. But that's the gist. Sally uh, points to one head, says, Alright, tell me what the other would say in regards to uh, which door I should take. And the one head says, Oh, well, dear. Uh... My, uh, my fellow friend here, my companion, would tell you to take the door on the left. To which she says, okay, I'm going to the right. To which Sonic says, like, hold up, wait, why? He just, what is this? What are you doing here? To which she replies, well, think about it. If that was the, if that head was the one that tells the truth, it would have said, he would have said something along the lines of, oh, my friend would tell a lie. And he would say, you should lie and take this door. You know, that kind of thing. And it turns out she was right. The, the, the door finds whatever the map was pointing to. So they go inside. And the treasure that they were following for turns out to just be a little chest. And it turns out that this whole little scheme was a little bit of a ploy from Jalela. And Sally opens the chest. And we actually don't know what it says. Until we get a hard cut to 20 years later. We see the older versions of the Freedom Fighters. And Sally is the queen. Sonic is the king. And they also have two kids. To which something that they brought. Something that we brought up earlier. This is this is how Mobians crossbreed. There's one hedgehog kid and one a- acorn. What, what was she again? A squirrel? Mostly a she's squirrel. a Mobian squirrel chipmunk. She's so, both. She's mostly a squirrel, though. So this is a triple hybrid. Huh. Hmm. Well, don't think way, about it. This is a children's cover. Don't think about that. Either way, they both inherited Sonic Speed. To which, uh, there's also a this point accurate to later on. This all comes back later. 
And also, there's we also see uh, Sally's dad, who is wheelchair bound, but they we they rescued him at some point, mm-hmm. and it ends with Future Rotor basically finishing Nicole, the one that was sent back to the past. Weird explanation. Not ex- I wasn't expecting time travel. I wasn't expecting the glimpse into 25 years later this early. Uh, no, 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 is... no, 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 no. It's not 25 years later. It's 20 years later. Oh, but still, this is a glimpse to something that Ken Penders hyped up. Yes. <laughs> and here's, you know what? Later on. While we're on the topic, l- let's talk about this. So hmm. what we're talking about 25 years later, and if you listeners have under- have some previous understanding of Ken Penders, You'll probably be wondering, like, wait a minute, why did you say 20 years later? I thought the meme was 25 years later. And you're right, it is 25 years later. But fun fact, early planning stages was supposed to be 20 years later. And that's all I'm going to give you for now. Oh, God. That's all you're getting, boys. Yeah, I am excited for 25 years later. I'm very excited for that. Oh, I'm fucking hyped. Thing. I'm fucking uh, hyped. Dude, it's boring. Why are you hyped for it? Because I love mediocrity and melodrama. It has both. It really does. It It's all melodrama, Ugh. which, I mean, I can get behind melodrama and Sonic when it's written well. But again, we're, get, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. So... The story ends with uh, them sending Nicole back in time and Sally overlooking her kingdom, basically lamenting about how during that time she really needed a friend and she was glad she had Nicole. Because, oh, that's another thing I forgot to gloss over. Nicole was destroyed at some point during the yes. during uh, the defeat with uh, the, or the fight with Robotnik, I think. The final fight they had with Robotnik was when Nicole uh, was destroyed. I guess that's important to mention. It gets a little fucky as it goes on with that. Yeah, it really does. It really does get fucky. But uh, the story ends with saying that the scroll that she found 20 years ago was just a simple message from Jalela. Quote, to thine own self be true. And that's the end of that story. Bailey, let me ask you something. Do you uh-huh. think was this worth a one shot? Or do you think was this something that could have been told in the main comment? I feel like this could have been told in the main comic, but I don't blame them for doing a one-shot so they could just get it all done at once because they just didn't know how to handle doing actual stories yet. So I think this was a fine way to test the waters with this. And, well, we'll get another comic story-based thing. And, oh, I'm not ready. And also, I'm not ready for the next thing. And also, that that was the main part of Sonic in your face. Uh, there is an ish, a story B, but uh, is there? yeah, there is. But it, it's simple. Basically, Tails is invited at, to like some kind of Sonic fan oh, convention. Oh yeah, the Sonicon. Yeah, he goes to Sonicon. I put right here. There is a pig who says Knuckles is a misunderstood marsupial. You get it, pig. You get it. My man is misunderstood, and he continues to be misunderstood throughout this entire series because he's not going to be written like how he should be. So anyway, uh, Tails kind of tells this whole story about how, oh, I, I totally kicked Robotnik's ass that one time. It, it was pretty fucking epic. You should have seen it. <laughs> and then Robotnik attacks Sonicon, to which all of the uh, attendees are like, Tails, f- please help. To which Tails just goes like, 
Bruh. Shouldn't we get uh, Sonic? Yeah, he he's epic. He could take care of this. To which, uh... Tails does get kidnapped. Massive L to him. But, uh... What ends up happening is that all the congoers link up and unite and, uh... Fucking own Robotnik. It's pretty sweet, what? kind of. No? Yeah, no? They kind of do. No, what happens? He doesn't even get kidnapped. Robotnik just shows up with the machine and Tails, like, just spins in place. Oh, there was I'm, no... I'm reading the wrong thing, goddammit. Yeah, you are. There was... They don't band together or anything. Tails just spins in place, makes Robotnik sick, and it destroys his machine somehow. Forgot the exact details of that, and he just kind of walks off and Tails saves the day. Yeah, he's defeated by with the power of uh, motion sickness. It's pretty epic. Yes. All my credibility yeah. is ruined. What were now. you reading? Uh, wrong part of my notes. Anyway. What part of notes? I don't even... No, that was something else. Forget it. Was that later? Oh, I wasn't even looking at my notes. What the fuck? No, it's like, what? Yeah, th- th- there's no story you know like that. I'm cutting this fucking part. This is too much for me. No, you're not. You're not cutting it. Yeah, I'm probably. You're not keeping it, it in, you coward. I'm. I'm not. I'm not gonna cut it. Enjoy my humiliation, viewers. Anyways, that was the end of in your face, and we move to number nineteen. The the one thousand Sonics. I've known about this issue, and I was sad it was here. Okay, you know what? I, I'm gonna start this off like this. This is legitimately... Th- this amused me. This issue amused me greatly. <laughs> it did not amuse me. I was not happy because it's the start of the trend of... Ooh, look, anti-Sonic's here. Aren't you excited, readers? <laughs> Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in that. I want to come back to that for a second. I'm not ready for anti-Sonic stories. Well, too bad, because this is one. <laughs> issue 19, brought to us by... uh. Uh, and Penders yet again titled The Night of a Thousand Sonics or as I like to think of it Into the Sonicverse Into the Son. I wish this was Into the Sonicverse maybe it would have been good Oof. I mean okay this wasn't even that bad it was just it's really just Saturday morning that takes up the whole issue that's all this is I'm just upset because like it's more anti-Sonic and I know what that fucker does later on too I'm a, I'm aware of some things that happened in the series thanks to that article. There is a thing I did like about this issue, but that'll be later on. Well, we'll talk about it. something that I want to point out though. This is the first comic that actually has like a complete full story. All of its segments are dedicated to one plot line, and it's honestly pretty refreshing. It is nice. This is the only one that doesn't. This doesn't have a plot B in it at all, right? There's no B story or anything. It's just all this. No, there's no B story. It's all this. So, let's start off with, uh, Freedom Fighters just chilling out, you know, just just having a, a time, until a portal from the Cosmic Interstate opens up, to which this half-roboticized version of Sonic just pops out. They're like, what, what is this? Who are you? To which this Cyborg Sonic responds to saying that he and his alternate Freedom Fighters willingly became roboticized they roboticized themselves much how like bunny was and in response they were able to keep their free will it wasn't willing they weren't no they weren't willingly robotnik got all of them halfway and in return it made them super powerful i don't think it was willing either way they much like still bunny how she was only like partially roboticized basically all of them were partially roboticized 
and they kind of use their new robot powers to uh, game end Robotnik. Or so they hoped until the madman roboticized himself. Pretty epic. That's pretty gigabrain. Honestly, yeah. However, uh, came with a little bit of a drawback because when Robotnik roboticized himself, he basically became pure fucking evil. Like, there's... There is implied to be some semblance of humanity with Robotnik. Kind of. Not with this ro uh, Robo-Robotnik as we come to call him. This Cyborg Sonic calls up, says that his Robotnik is now a threat to all universes. Yep. So here's where Into the Sonic Verse comes up. And before we continue, I just want to say a thing I really liked about this art direction was... Is anytime anything relating to robot Robo Robotnik is on screen, it's like the color they use is like this very dark gray. I honestly really like that look they went with that. You know, yeah, you're right. I what I'm thinking of is that they clearly want to pro portray Robo Robotnik as this like legitimate, like menacing figure. Legitimate threat. This is yeah. This is I. This is the first legitimate threat that the Freedom Fighters face. Robotnik doesn't count right now, guys. But with that being said, what the, the Freedom Fighters respond in collecting a bunch of alternate Sonics and bringing them to Mobius Prime. There's a, a swath and array of various forms of Sonic. I still have the comic pages up here. There's like a fucking like, uh, what, what am I seeing here? I see a Wolverine Sonic, Batman Sonic caveman sonic which is not the the one that we talked about earlier explicitly a different one there's also a robin hood sonic see uh buff sonic there's buff sonic who i think is supposed to be a parody of the hulk is he i don't know with the way he looks it doesn't look hulkish yeah but he later on talks in the issue and he talks very much like the hulk would sonic has adjourned his meeting of the sonics to say uh yeah, we need to, to deal with this. Uh, uh, what, what, do we, what do we do here? Up until Robo Robotnik uh, hacks their projector and says that, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill all of you. Fuck you. I'm killing all of you. You're all in one spot. I can take you out real fucking easy. And at the same time, uh, Robotnik Prime is spying in on them. And upon seeing this Robo Robotnik uh, facade, he goes off to fight him single-handedly. Yeah, Robotnik gets fucking pissed. He's fucking mad, like, hey, this is my- I'm the one who's gonna rule all the world. It's not you. What fuck? I mean, that is a very Robotnik thing, and that's the most in character he's been in a while. I would say, and close to, like, a thing most Robotnik Eggman share. Yeah, the ego is very powerful with Robotnik. That is very mm -hmm. true. However, Robotnik Prime shows up to where the whole meeting of the Sonics are. He shows up like right as Robo uh, Robotnik leaves and basically sends his own SWAT bots uh, to attack. At the same time, Robotnik Prime has his own SWAT bots fighting these Robo SWAT bots. It's, these SWAT bots are called Shadow Bots, I believe. So these are like distinct visually. You can tell what's going on. After after they defeat the Shadow Bots, as they're called, Robotnik Prime essentially reaches his hand out to Sonic and the Freedom Fighters, saying, you know what? We've got a bigger enemy to deal with right now. We should take care of this. What, what do you say? 
To which Sonic basically takes it and says, uh, all right, I'll do it, but I don't like you. Yeah, and so they discover what they need to get is our good old friend and, like, two-year-late meme, the Infinity Gauntlet from our... Uh, the, this thing, that a gauntlet that looks strangely like the Infinity Gauntlet from our good old friend T. Hanos. Although, we must point out for the lawyers, uh, it's not the Infinity, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, it's just called the Giant's Hand, quote-unquote. Yeah, it's called the Giant's Hand, but it's totally an Infinity Gauntlet, it just doesn't have the stones in it. Oh, it totally is, it fucking is, like, come on, you have eyes. And, uh, they find out that this robo-robotnik is hiding out in what's called the Neutral Zone, which I believe is just, like, the weird middle point between from where, like... Where all the universes... Like, yeah, where all the universes collide is, like, in this neutral zone. And that's where they find the giant's hand. Only for Robo-Robotnik to be spying on them the whole time and sends his trump card out to fight them. Our boy Evil Sonic! Ugh! Oh, that was a spike on my mic. Jesus Christ. Anyways, <laughs> I do not like anti-Sonic still. I want y'all to know, by the way, I feel this is a very lazy choice, is that, for whatever reason, the Cyborg Sonic has the same jacket as Anti-Sonic? I don't- I didn't get that. I don't- I don't know but what yeah. that was about. Like, Robo-Robotic just, like, he summons in Anti-Sonic, like, hey, hey, you wanna be evil? You wanna be evil? Work with me. Anti-Sonic's like, I like being evil! And that's literally his whole character, is, I'm evil! Wow! <laughs> and so, Anti-Sonic and Sonic fight. Again, very even more boring than the last time, and it's just to distract Sonic, the Sonics, from noticing that. So, uh, Robo Robotnik can just teleport the Infinity Gauntlet to him, and with it in his clutches, it unfurls into a fucking giant ass mech, which is just called the Giant Borg. Yeah, the Giant Borg. Like, why such a lame name? <sighs> I miss my egg names. I miss the egg names. With the Borg uh, in Robo Robotnik's hands, he then goes immediately to Mobius Prime to destroy the fucking place. And so what happens is, uh, all the remaining Sonics that uh are that haven't been sent to the neutral zone, that are kind of set, they're left behind as a B squad, and for good measure, because now they see that they're able to all collectively rush Work the board and uh they make it collapse they use the real superpower of teamwork to defeat robo robotnik and he's just a fucking head by the time they're done with him he is just a head <laughs> it's pretty fucking brutal actually like, <laughs> yeah. he's left as just a head but he's a robot so he's, he's fine he's still alive he's still talking i want to know i think this is the first time we get a two-page spread in terms of like art for this which is something that at least happens during the Flynn run quite a bit and usually really nice. I mean, I don't like the way balled up Sonic talking looks because it just reminds me of a future panel we'll be getting to. I I hate the talking mouth on the, on the spinning buzzsaws. I'm going to present myself as a spirited defense of the talking ball head. All right, you ready for this, guys? <laughs> no. uh, are you ready? Talking ball good. <laughs> That's it? That all you got? No, fuck I you. mean, there's not much you could do with it, so I don't blame him for doing it like that. It's just a bunch of art of that. But it is neat seeing that they made a two-page spread for this, showing that they put some effort in terms of that. Oh yeah, definitely. However, and in a way to, uh, as a way, 
as insurance, let's call it, the Borg is crushed. So what Sonic, Sonic Prime specifically, does, he lets all of his uh, counterparts take a piece of the Borg home as a souvenir and also so that uh, this can hopefully never happen again. Yeah. And it just ends there. Like, yeah. Because Robotnik is like, hey, I'm going to take over. Ha ha ha. And literally gets surrounded by the Sonics within an instant. And just like, okay, bye. <laughs> you mean, uh, yeah, basically what happens there is like, as you said, Robotnik is in the pile. Is just like, I can rebuild this. I can take over Mobius. All the Sonics instantly surround him and just goes, well, you see what had happened was, you know, the sun was in my eyes and all the things were flying in the blood. And then he, he just runs. He, he just books runs. It. I wonder if this is like the games where like Eggman, ugh, I keep calling him Eggman out of habit, but Robotnik is the fastest thing, tr- the true fastest thing alive. Look, let's not get into that. Well, I want to know, can this Robotnik outrun Sonic? I want to know. In Sonic 2, we see that man run. He does run. He does he, fucking he book out. Paces Sonic the Hedgehog, and I love it so much. Look, just don't worry about it. Okay? Just don't worry about it. So, and that's the end of issue nineteen. Now, move on real quick. Issue twenty, brought to us by uh, Angelo Decasare yet again. Was this Angelo? Yep. He's the one who introduced this bastard. Uh oh no no no! I viewers, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Put a pin in that, Bailey, because we'll get to Oh, it's just the B story of, or whatever? Yes, it's the B story. Thanks you for... You said there was no B story. There is a B story. You said there wasn't. For I forgot 20? entirely. I read it today, and I forgot there was a B story. All right. Anyway, so let, let's get this over with. So, issue opens up. Sonic and Sally are invading a Robotnik factory. It, it's very cool, very epic. They think he built some kind of antimatter device that could, like, make him invisible. So, Robotnik traps Sonic, he separates him from Sally. Robotnik tells Sonic that he actually was the one that spread the rumor that this thing could, uh, basically could work. Because he was trying to build an antimatter machine to make things invisible, but it just didn't work. However, Robotnik saw the opportunity regardless, and basically made it a bomb. He He tries to kill Sonic in cold blood. And, uh, what happens next? Rather, uh, Sonic has two options here. He's still stuck in the room. He can either escape questionably or let the bomb go off. The rotor's bomb, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, okay, he didn't explain. You forgot to mention Sonic had a bomb with him just in case things went sour. A very powerful bomb, mind you. And, uh, getting ahead of ourselves, it goes off, and Sally barely makes it out alive, and she goes back to Knothole all by herself, with the other Freedom Fighters waiting in tow, and she, with a a sad, heavy heart, has to say that she believes Sonic is dead. Sonic the Hedgehog is finally dead, guys. Comic over. The comic is done. We're free. But, uh... No, she reports Sonic the Hedgehog has died, and even Robotnik thinks he's dead. But no, come on, come on. You think the main character would die? He's just invisible because it turns out the antimatter device worked. 
Yeah, it just made him partially invisible. He is invisible and unsolid, and he's silenced. So he's basically a living ghost right now. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty harrowing. Because he goes back to uh, to Nodhole and tries to get their attention. He's screaming at the top of his lungs, and there's not, he, they, he, they can't hear yeah, him. Yeah, the only one who doesn't think Sonic is dead is Tails, because Ta- Tails is like, why would this kill Sonic? It's Sonic. Very childlike of Tails to think that, but look, he he ends up being right in the end, so who am I to say? But either way, there are some actually, like, harrowing moments of Sonic, like, having a legitimate existential crisis. Oh yeah, he questions what he's going to do. Can I still eat? Can I... Should I just, like, live in the forest for the rest of my life? I don't know what the fuck to do. To which he kicks a rock... He feels pain and screams, which scares a nearby frog, which then leads Sonic to the realization, oh, this is temporary. This will wear off eventually, so I just have to bide time now. However, at this exact moment, he sees the Freedom Fighters leaving Nodhole, going to storm Robotropolis to avenge Sonic's death. <laughs> they, they're ready to fucking lay down now. They're, they're fucking ready. Like, they've basically lost their leader. As far as they believe. Like, they're ready to go. Sally doesn't become the leader until way later in the series, if I'm right. Sonic is the de facto leader right now. Sally doesn't become the leader. I don't know when, but because I believe even in the show, Sally was the leader. She was the one who came up with all the plans and everything in the show. Yeah, but, like, Sonic is, like, the cool guy, so he's obviously the leader. He's the leader. Well, Sally didn't come up with the plans yet. Sonic did. Yeah, but, like, Sonic's the cool guy, so he's the leader. Yeah, it's Sonic. While they're going to avenge their leader, Robotnik obviously sees them on his spy network and says, Oh, they're just coming right to me. Pretty easy. So he and Snively go in a stealth bomber to try to uh, capture and roboticize them. What Sonic does in response, while he still has invisibility on his side, he, uh, he, uh, kind of, he goes into the plane that Robotnik and Snively are using. And basically torments them. Oh yeah, he pretends to be Sonic. He pretends to be the ghost of Sonic the Hedgehog. And he's like, hey, hey, you better let them go. You better return everything back to normal. I'll, I'm going to haunt you, boy. And then Robotnik is like, no, fuck you. I don't believe in ghosts. Snively is basically in the corner pissing himself in fear. That's, As always. Yeah. But this time for kind of good reason. A fair reason. Fair enough. Like, yeah. All right. Fair. There's a disembodied voice. You're allowed this. Like, if you, the ghost of your most hated enemy is, like, after you thought you finally win, he's there. Because let's be real, if Sonic were to die, his ghost would haunt Robotnik. That is totally what would happen. But, uh, yeah, so, Sonic, uh, basically ends up forcing them off the plane, and he, uh, just hijacks the plane and makes it crash. He abandons ship just right before Sonic turns visible again. They obviously the Freedom Fighters see them and they're like, "Oh shit, you're alive! Epic!" And they go home. Also, to note something you didn't mention is the only reason Sonic knew is because of Tails' childlike innocence. Literally, wrote a note for Sonic. It's like, "Hey, Sonic, I know you're not dead. Uh, we're going to go avenge your death. Bye." Also, if you're actually dead, please ignore this letter. I like kind of liked that. 
Yeah, that was one that got a little chuckle out of me. Now we'll move on to the aforementioned B story. This one also this one brought to us by Mike and Ken yet again. Twenty, you mean? That was the B story. Yeah, this is 19. the B story, which is uh the Princess Sally story that uh kind of I continues about on. The a story. So yeah, this is a Princess Sally mission. She goes in to just sabotage Robotnik. Pretty much, I forgot what the exact thing is, but she goes in with this weird laser gun, and she goes in to go blow up something. So she goes pretty, goes pretty successfully, plants the bomb, and she's escaping. But right at the end of she's escaping, she runs into someone. Someone who is very infamous in this comic. Someone who I hate with a burning passion, kind of, as well. And we meet a certain man... Skunk, rather. Peppy Le Pew mother m- looking motherfucker. Jeffrey St. John. <laughs> One of Penders' favorites. One of Ken Penders' favorites, to the point where it was like a legitimate theory for the longest time that he was supposed to be, uh, that Jeffrey was like Ken's self insert. Was that the theory? I'm pretty sure I've heard that theory. before. I, it's definitely not true. I can give you that with confidence. That's not the case. But but there is some uh, controversy around Jeffrey St. John. We'll get to that when we get to what Ken Penders has said, stated later on, but that hasn't blossomed we yet, but I want get, to talk about it. We will get to that when we get to that. However, Jeffrey St. John introduces himself as, quote-unquote, head of the King's Secret Service and the Rebel Underground. Quote-unquote, Rebel Underground. Sally has never heard of this, but uh, is still suspicious of him regardless, and follows him to wherever he's going. And that ends into what will begin our next session, I assume, says to be continued in the Princess Sally miniseries. Yep. That is what all of that led up to, is a miniseries, and I am afraid... (laughs) What was issue A? What was story A of that comic? I I only wrote down that, no, goddammit, no, not Jeffrey St. John. That's uh, all I got in my notes. Uh, issue A, or well, the A story was literally what we described earlier. That was part of issue 20. Oh, I got it confused. I've heard talking about 19's B story was that. No, this was, okay. I understand everything now. It all makes sense now because you told me 19 didn't have a B story. And then you tell me it had a B story. Well, you meant to say it was the A story. You're t- I, I misinterpreted because I have small brain. I think when we're talking about Sonic the Edge, the, the Edgehog, what the fuck? No, he's not here yet. He's not here That's yet. That's towards That'll the end very... of Ken's run. It'll be for a very long time. Sonic. When we talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, we just all like collectively lose IQ points, in my opinion. Do we? Sometimes. This is the only thing I have knowledge of, dude, is this fucking blue rat. What do you mean? <laughs> but on that note, uh, let, let's let's have our final thoughts for these set of issues. What, what do you have? This this was wacky, <laughs> sorry to say, because like I was going in, I was just expecting more boring one-offs, and for the most of that, I was right. And then that second half creeps in very slowly with it, and it's setting up a lot of things already. It's a refresher. <laughs> it sets up like everything that Ken Penders wants to do. It that thought immediately came into my head when we went to like the twenty years later flash forward. I was like, the twenty years later, 
and then Jeffrey St. John popped in. I mean, specifically with 20 years later, I saw that and I was like, oh my god, he's really setting this shit up this early? He is not wasting any fucking time He's here. not time. He really wants us to see the future of Sonic the Hedgehog. And on that note, talking of Ken Penders, they definitely uh, started out strong with these first run of comics, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And in fact... I, I definitely made a note of this that uh I really think that you can tell where uh who has more creative control in what sense because remember all of these issues that were brought to us from Ken Penders were also done with Mike Kenturovich so this was a joint thing through and through but uh you can tell who took over for what issues I believe Mike this is a different Mike from Mike Gallagher yes. But I think the one-offs were mainly Mike. Yes. And then when it started getting story-based is when our good old friend Mr. Pender came in. Yes. And on that note, all of the more, like, heavy-centric stuff were definitely, like, Pender's stuff first and foremost. But, like, it feels a lot more grounded than his later work. I really think... Because he has someone telling him new. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He has someone to, like, kind of... Ken Penders is a man that you need 10 compliments before you go into the criticism. Like It's like, oh, Ken, you had a lot of good work here. I like this little aspect about, you know, Sally with the with her mentor. It was a sweet, touching moment. But maybe can we not have her die a gruesome death? Let's have her be, let's not have it be so melodramatic. Let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> and I think that was a good thing. Yeah. No, trust me. You could definitely tell this was Ken testing the waters of a story thing. I don't know when he becomes the, like, the main writer. Because, just so y'all know, during the later run, he's not going to be the only writer during these comics, either. He's going to have some other things. But to jump the gun a little bit, Ken doesn't read what anyone else writes, by the way. I want y'all to know that. Which is very ironic considering he started his career with the comics in collaboration. And the very fact that this work is derivative inherently. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think he watched Sad AM or anything like that. I don't. I think the comics are his only exposure to Sonic is what he has done. I wasn't even talking about Sad AM in specific. I just meant, like, the series in general. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I... Well, the only reason Ken is here is because he had the opportunity for a job. He needed work. So he took it. Literally, that's what happened. It was by happenstance that this man came into this fucking series. And, uh... And has tarnished the reputation of the Archie comics, mind you. Because people <sighs> didn't know it got good until it got, like, cancelled pretty much. It's very sad, but hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah, because I want to emphasize what we're going to tell you for his run. It's going to be whack. It's not going to be pretty. It is going to be not good. A lot of it. A lot of this is not going to be good. We'll get some good highlights in there, I'm sure. Some good sparkling moments. This is not going to be pretty for this series. That is why it was tarnished. But when we get to 160 and onwards, things genuinely get better. I want to say this now for, so you are prepared for those who are to have no knowledge. Get emotionally prepared, folks. And, and maybe have a drink or two by your side. 
Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So if you're old enough. Yeah, if you're old enough, we only do legal things on this podcast. And uh, speaking of, and to round this all off, I wanted to point out Evil Sonic, this anti-Mobius thing that's going on. Evil Sonic will return. He will be a lot more prevalent uh, in the future of this issue, uh, or these comics. And I wanted to point something out. I, I think... There is something legitimately interesting you can do with, like, a mirror counterpart of, like, a good guy versus a bad guy. And you have this bad guy counterpart of themselves. But Sonic, as a character, is not very, like, deep. Fleshed out. He is not fleshed out at this point. Like, or not even, like, in general, in terms of, like, the larger series, but having, like this bad guy version of himself can give him quote or it gives him a lot of self-reflection later on in the series and also actually even gives evil sonic a lot of reflection later on in the series yeah but that's with a different writer and a better writer yes i'm just putting this all up front so like you know what we're getting what we're gonna get into i want a preference so y'all know now anti-sonic goes from one of my least favorite characters to something I miss so dearly about Archie Sonic. Sonic. Those who know this comics know why. Those who don't will learn. And I'm excited to go through his origins blind as well. And uh, my final bullet point. I wanted to point out. The last issue that we covered. Uh, or the last story that we covered. With uh, Angelo De Casare. I, I noticed. He has to be pretty malleable as a writer. Because his last story that he gave us. Was pretty heavy on the melodrama because it basically implied that the freedom fighters thought sonic was brutally killed whereas Mm -hmm. his earlier stuff was like more saturday morning cartoon more mike gallagher tier stuff yeah because angelo has actually been around longer than ken has he wrote like an issue i think he wrote one issue during uh our first the during the uh premiere episode i don't know i forget the pilot there's the word during the pilot during zero through 10 i forget what issue he wrote but he wrote one of those oh he wrote a couple of them i believe i thought it was just one of them one maybe two who's to say they're not that important mm-hmm. but uh I'm, I'm just pointing this out because i i think angelo while he was writing this stuff he must have been seeing like the other scripts and is like noticing how the changes the change to the tone is going so it's like oh well gee I want to make my stuff like a little bit more in line of where the series is going. So uh, let's let's make it a little heavy handed on the drama. Why not? Well, my guess is the story change was probably due to the editor demands. That wouldn't surprise me because believe it or not, folks, there's a lot of editor demand. A lot of things that were editor demands and not necessarily Ken. At least one big thing I know of. And I'm sh- and we will get to that when we get to that. That's, yeah. I assume at this point that's going to be the tagline of this podcast. We will get to that when we get to that. I hope y'all get used to that sentence because I'm going to be talking a lot during Ian's run because I'm going to be making parallels to that because he pulls a lot of stuff from the Penders era because jumping the gun a bit, Ian Flynn loved this series as a, like when he was younger too. Like this comic series, he grew up reading these stories and stuff. So we'll get to experience what Ian Flynn does with this together. 
Oh, yes, we will. There's already things that he's pulled from that I've noticed, like Harvey Who, Larry Lynx. They come back near the end of the... I, I would say near... Close to the end of the pre-reboot. That That is all very true. And those are all things we will get to in due time. So, uh, you have any last things to share, Bailey? I'm afraid. That is my closing thoughts here i'm afraid that we're setting up because next is princess sally miniseries and i know of a thing that happens in that and i'm afraid of that and we've already alluded to that and well we've already alluded because i thought it was happening earlier (laughs) and i'm sure the listeners will be waiting with bated breath for that episode and on that note thanks for tuning in to episode one of the archie sonic digest see you next time with the princess sally miniseries Yay. I hope y'all liked that empowering message about women. I want y'all to know. Embrace it while you can. Anyways, read IDW Sonic if you want something good. See you next time, folks. Bye.